life begins at conception. Before you were born, God created life. That's why he says in verse 14, I praise you. I stand back in awe and wonder at how you've made me. Notice how we're made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it. In the heart of every agnostic and every atheist, his soul knows that he was made by God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I'm so glad that you're with us here today. Over the past few weeks in our program, Pastor Trent has preached what he calls his boldest messages. Today, Pastor Trent challenges us in the Be Bold series to think biblically about an issue that tends to evoke strong emotional response from both men and women, conservatives and liberals, Christians and non-Christians alike. It's the sanctity of life. Let's hear now from Pastor Trent as he points us to what God's Word says about the value of life starting at conception. Here's Pastor Trent. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 139 as we talk about the issues in our day that require us to be bold. The darker the days get, the bolder Christians must be. And so we're talking about some issues that require us to boldly proclaim what God has said about some of the things in our culture that would be considered controversial. Last week, we looked at the origin of man, the issue of evolution versus creation. Today, we're going to be looking at the sanctity of human life, and that's going to uh, show us from God's Word what our position should be on things like homicide and suicide physician-assisted suicide, abortion, and even embryonic stem cell research. What we believe about this issue will determine what we do with those things. We're going to look at what God has to say about these issues, and we're going to say it boldly and unapologetically. And if uh, statistics hold true, here's what we know. One in every three women has or will have an abortion in her lifetime. That means that in this room, there are women who have had an abortion. And this is going to be a heavy message. There are men in this room who, instead of taking responsibility for their unbridled sexuality, have covered their sin by providing or encouraging or paying for an abortion. I realize that up front. So why would we deal with such a sensitive issue? First of all, let me just say this. We always end our service here at Harvest with three words. Do you know what those words are? You are loved. We cannot wait till the end of the service to hear that, okay? You are. You are loved. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how sinful your choices have been, God is intimately loves you here this morning, okay? If I do my job correctly, we will not find freedom and forgiveness by minimizing the horrors of sin this morning. What we will do is we will find freedom and forgiveness by magnifying 
the gracious, merciful God who speaks to people who have committed horrible, heinous acts of crime against an almighty God. And so we're going to look at what God has to say about the sanctity of human life. And we're going to be bold about engaging a culture that no longer appreciates how God intricately forms every human life. So here's the bold statement. God is intricately involved in the creation of every human life. And because we believe that God created everyone in his image and for his glory, every human life is to be valued and protected. Whatever a culture believes about the sanctity of human life will determine its laws and its practices. Let me just say this. Abortion is not a political football. It's not something you use to leverage votes. And even though in our culture, candidates may come out on one side or the issue, depending on which way the polls are falling, we believe that God's word has eternal truth that we need to wrap our minds and our belief systems around. And so before you cast a vote for any particular political candidate, I believe it would be important for you to know where that candidate lines up, especially on this issue. The two major political parties in our country are diametrically opposed to one another on this issue. Now, we're not going to make a political statement here today because I am talking to you. Whoever you are and wherever you come from and whatever you brought in here, I just want to simply acknowledge that we have all grown up in and have been affected by a culture that no longer values the sanctity of human life. And some of you have been very touched by that. I realize that I am talking to women in this room who have had an abortion. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear from one of them before this service is over with. And I just want to be very sensitive to you. As we open up God's Word and look at what God has to say about our lives and about what He thinks about our lives, I realize that there are people here who have brought sin into the room. That's all of us, by the way. So let me just give permission for all of the perfect people to now be dismissed from the auditorium, okay? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we have all at some point made decisions in violation to God's word. And so as we open God's word here today, we want to see the truth about how God views abortion and we want to see the truth about how God views and loves people who will confess and repent from sins as tragic as abortion. And so if I do my job here right this morning, you will hear a bold proclamation of the truth about the sanctity of life, and you'll hear a bold proclamation of the truth about the power of God's grace to forgive and to cleanse and to heal and to redeem. But the gospel demands that we engage the culture around the issue of the sanctity of human Life. We would rather look away. We would rather ignore it. We would rather just kind of say that's for the halls of Congress or the Supreme Court. And yet you and I are those that represent 
God in this culture as the church. And so we're just going to wrap our thoughts around three simple points. Here's the first one. Every life is precious to God. Every life is precious to God. Last week we saw this from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Just very simply tells us that God created man in his own image. Last week we kind of looked at the idea that God creates all people. And we looked at the origin of man. Today we're getting very focused and we're realizing that God creates each man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, boys and girls, he created them. And so that means that because we have God's image stamped upon us, that every human life has intrinsic dignity, value and worth and purpose. Because what God does, he does with purpose. We understand from scripture that God is the giver of life. We read this in the book of Job chapter 12 verse 10. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Do you know the only thing it would take for you to cease to exist is for God to close his hand? Because in God's hand is your very breath. Every breath you take is dependent upon the giving of life to you. God is the one who gives life. Again, in Job chapter 33, verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Life is a precious gift that God gives. Not only is God the giver of life, but God is ultimately the terminator of life. The ultimate determining factor of when life ends on this earth is the providence and the sovereignty of God. Again, Job recognized this in chapter 1, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may look at that and say, well, what does an ancient book from some guy named Job who had a weird name, what does he know about God giving and taking life? Well, let me tell you, he, he said this immediately following the tragic death of his 10 children in tragedy and in pain and through losing a loved one through death. Job had the wisdom to step back and say, you know what? Life is a gift from God. It is to be treasured and valued, and it is to be released as God sovereignly chooses when life should expire. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, God says, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Life is a sovereign and precious gift from God. And because we believe that, we understand that God not only gives life, but that pre-born life is protected by God. That's our second point. Pre-born life is protected by God. You've got your Bible open to Psalm 139, and I want us just to walk through this passage understanding 
God's perspective on preborn life. Look at it here beginning in verse 13. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Just think about that. Do you see the words there, formed? That means that God is actively involved in shaping and molding and caring for unborn life. With great artistry and with great design, God knits together. He uses the word knitted. Knits together human life in a mother's womb. It's interesting. God could have brought people onto the planet any way he wanted to. He could have had us crawl out from under a rock. He could have had us hatched from an egg. But God sovereignly chose that human life would have a a season around nine months where it's protected and cared for in the womb of a mother. And God uses the words, while that's happening, I am knitting together this body. How many of you ladies would be bold enough in church, bold enough to admit that you knit? Be bold, all of you knitters, okay? You knit a tapestry together, different things in different colors and different designs come together through intentionality and intelligence as you put them together with great care. And many times you're doing that for someone you love. That's exactly what God does. He knits together this human being in the mother's womb. Uh, Even just to think about this in terms of our anatomy, there are 12 different systems that are required for you to live. If even one of these systems fails, you can't live. And all 12 of the systems have to be working together in order to sustain life. And what we need to understand is God knits all 12 systems together before a human being arrives through birth. Do you know what these are? you remember your eighth grade science class? Do you remember the skeletal system? How many bones are there in the body? How many bones? How many bones? 206 bones. Do you know how many of the 206 bones are knit together after you're born? Zero. Do you know how many of the 206 bones are knit together before you were born? 206. God puts together the skeletal system prior to a child being born. How about the nervous system, including the brain and the sensory neurons and the motor neurons? And those, that nervous system actually causes your heart to beat and your lungs to breathe without conscious thought. How many of you are grateful for the fact you did not have to remind yourself to breathe this morning? Or while you were asleep, remind your heart to beat. God put that in you. When did God put that in you? Before you were born. The nervous system or the cardiovascular system with the heart and the arteries and the veins that carry nourishment to different parts of the body or the muscular system. Anybody know how many muscles you have? I realize some of you have more than others. Actually, you don't. You all have the same number. Some are bigger than others. Some are more well-developed. 650 muscles. How many of those muscles were formed after you were born? Zero. They were all formed in a mother's womb. 650. The muscular system, that 
means that you are not just some big blob. You're not just a slug on a slidewalk. You can actually move. You can actually eat. You can walk. You can get around. You, God gave you those systems. The respiratory system, lungs that exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide with every breath, you are exhaling things that are poisonous to your body. God put that together. The reproductive system that ensures the human race will survive your death because you have a reproductive system and there will be generations that will come from you. The digestive system. Think about the mechanical and the chemical processes involved in the digestive system. It's so amazing. It is so miraculous. It can turn a Cheeto into energy. That's a miracle. <laughs> That's how creative and wise God is. And I am grateful for Cheetos and my digestive system. The excretory system that eliminates waste from the body. The immune system. Think about the immune system that defends you from deadly diseases and actually heals your body when you get an infection. God put that system together. The integumentary system. The skin, the hair, the nails that keep cosmetologists in business. The lymphatic system supplies and drains lymph fluid in support of the cardiovascular and the immune system and the genetic system that provides chemical communications with the body using hormones. This is entirely way overactive during the teenage years, but God puts all of these hormones together. Do you know when all 12 of those systems are knit together? Before a human being is born. That's why he says in verse 14, I praise you. I praise you. I stand back in awe and wonder at how you've made me. Notice how we're made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. The words fearfully and wonderfully just in indicate there was intentionality. God does things creatively. There's not another person who has ever been or will ever be formed and knitted and made like you. He uses different colors of skin. He uses different straightness or curliness of hair. Some are a little taller and some are a little shorter. And God puts them together all with intentionality, fearfully and wonderfully made. And notice he says, my soul knows it. In the heart of every agnostic and every atheist, his soul knows that he was made by God. And he is not a self-existent being. He began in the mind of God, and he was fashioned and formed through the creative activity of God. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You know, modern technology has given us a little peek into what for thousands of years was hidden from us. And we are able to see now through sonogram technology what God has always seen happening secretly in the womb. And for every mom and dad who find out that there is 
a child growing in the womb, it, it is always one of the most exciting moments when you get to go see that unborn child growing, and, and we're even endeared and attached to that child, and we even start thinking, I think he looks like you. I, I think he looks like me. I, what should we name it? He looks like a... And we start to think that way, and we become attached relationally to this child now in a way earlier because of sonogram technology. Do you understand that God has always been that intimately involved in seeing what's going on? He says, my frame was not hidden from you. Deep inside, God sees it and knows it. And do you know what that means? Because God has intricately made you that you have purpose. You were meant to be exactly who you are. You were meant to have that color of hair and that size of a nose and, and that size of feet and how tall you were. God determined that. And so to stand back and to be critical of something God has made is to fail to give him the worship that he designed you to reflect in your life. Our soul was not hidden. God delights in what he sees in the womb. In the same way that you and I delight when we see our children running around on a playground or crawling up a, a jungle gym, God has always delighted in seeing what was happening in the womb. So what has happened in the womb? What does happen? Every textbook, the science of embryology, all shout to us that life begins at conception. Before you were born, God created life. From day one through eight weeks, so many things are formed and fashioned. At the moment of conception, a new individual receives 23 chromosomes from mom and 23 chromosomes from dad, and it creates a brand new individual, unique human being. At 18 days after conception, a heart begins to beat and circulates its own blood independent from the mom, 18 days after conception. 28 days after conception, a baby has eyes and ears and even a tongue. Muscles are being developed along a future spine. Arms and legs are bunny. 30 days after conception, the child has grown over 10,000 times its size and is one quarter inch long. 42 days after conception, the skeleton is formed. Brain coordinates movements of muscles and organs. Reflex responses have begun. Brain waves can be detected. A jaw starts to form, including teeth and taste buds. The unborn baby begins to swallow amniotic fluid. Fingers and toes are developing. 52 days after conception, spontaneous movement begins, including hiccuping, frowning, squinting, furrowing of the brow, pursing of the lips, moving individual arms and legs. His head turns, touching his face. He's breathing without air. The lungs begin to operate, stretching, opening of the mouth and yawning. Eight weeks after conception, listen, 4,500 structures that are in the adult body 4,000 of them have already been formed. 
eight weeks after conception. At nine weeks from conception, an unborn baby will bend its fingers around an object placed in his palm. Unique fingerprints appear. Thumb sucking may occur. At 10 weeks, the unborn baby's body is sensitive to touch. He has eyelids, fingerprints, and even fingernails are evident. At 11 weeks, vocal cords and taste buds form. Facial expressions and even smiles are evident in the womb. At 12 weeks, the baby's sex can be determined. An unborn baby is now about three inches long, weighing approximately two ounces. Fine hair begins to grow on his upper lip, chin, and eyebrows. At 15 weeks, an unborn baby is now five and a half inches long, weighing approximately five ounces. He or she is actively moving about inside the safety of the womb, and the baby turns and kicks and even somersaults. And finally, mom becomes aware she's pregnant. At 20 weeks, an unborn baby's ears are functioning, and he hears a mother's heartbeat as well as external noises like music. The baby is also able to experience pain at this point. Life-saving surgery can be conducted in the womb at this age. The baby's grown to about seven and a half inches long and weighs about 14 ounces. At 20 to 26 weeks, babies can sometimes survive on their own outside the womb but abortion is still legal beyond this limit. Fetal surgery is performed on babies in the womb to save their life while down the street a baby's life is taken by abortion. At 27 to 32 weeks, the unborn baby can recognize his mother's voice. He opens and closes his eyes and he knows the difference between waking and sleeping and he can even relate to the moods of the mother. At 32 to 40 weeks... An unborn baby triggers labor and birth occurs. Of the 45 generations of cell divisions before adulthood, 41 have already taken place. Only four more come before adolescence. 90% of a person's development happens before that person arrives through birth. Is it any wonder in verse 15 that God says we are intricately woven? Everyone is unique. And in verse 16, he says this. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days were formed for me when it as yet were none of them. And so God indicates that his Thoughts are like a book about the person. Do you know that there's already been a book written on you outlining what your days will be like? And there are children who have yet to be born and yet the book has already been written on them? There's a book written on you outlining the thoughts of God. Today, Pastor Trent has shown us from Scripture how God is intimately involved in the creation of every human life. As believers, our biblical understanding of the preciousness and uniqueness of each human life, intricately made in the image of God, should also impact the way we think about such issues as abortion, physician-assisted suicide, and embryonic stem cell research. 
Well, I hope you'll join us again next week as Pastor Trent concludes today's message. He and his wife, Andrea, will share a very personal testimony on this Sanctity of Life topic. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend worship services, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road in Granger, just north of University Park Mall. Well, thanks again for being with us today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I pray that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Find us on the web at harvestgranger.org.